right, Buzz Buzz Babies, and welcome back to another episode of Blake's Buzz. This week, I have a rock star of a comic creator on the show. I have been into this guy since Rachel Rising. Um, he's done Strangers in Paradise that everybody's obsessed with. He's done Echo. He's He's got his own awesome publishing imprint, and he's got a new Kickstarter that's live right now that is just printing money, stacking $100 bills on top of $100 bills. Mr. Terry Moore is on Blake's Buzz. I am so excited. Terry, how you doing today, sir? I'm good. And the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they better. They better that was a great intro. Crazy. Thank you. <laughs> no, no problem, man. I, like I said, I um, Rachel Rising was how I found you. Um, like many, many years ago on Instagram, I saw people talking about it. Uh, and and I, uh, I read it on Comixology Unlimited and then picked up the omnibus later because I was like, I got to have this for the shelf. Uh, and, and then since then I've, I've, you know, I've I've experienced more of your comics. Uh, I finally, um, as you've seen on my social media posts have, I finally opened up my strangers in paradise, hardcover omnibus set, uh, and started diving into that. And, uh, which, which is another good thing to talk about too. Cause I saw that you're good. You're, pr you're printing new editions of that, uh, mm -hmm. coming changing soon. format for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is exciting. Um, because I, more people need to read that, that comic, it, you know, it, it starts off as this like great slice of life with, with two wonderful characters, uh, and, and the will they, won't they relationship aspect of it. And, and then where it goes after that, right? Like I, I, after a hundred pages in, you know, that the, there's like the mafia and this, the secret life of catch you. And like, this is all these, all these crazy elements that like, it almost doesn't seem fair, man. Like you, you draw so well, your characters are so fully realized both like in dialogue and their physical presence on the page. Like I've often told everybody I'm obsessed with how you draw noses. You draw like the perfect noses for everybody, but just the, the way you can emote uh, your characters and you know, like this, like when the, your characters smile, you like see it in their eyes too which is it's it's crazy like how how hard is that to do because you all your stuff has a lot of emotion in it and and you you always have you you always bring it like um you know physically on the page in, in multiple ways like is that is that ever hard like do you ever struggle with that when you're when you're at the, the drawing table like is it do you, do you do you battle with that sometimes or is it like a natural phenomenon you know amazingly i, uh, I don't i don't so much anymore um, I struggle in the sense that, like, like if you watch my drawing videos, you'll see that I draw and erase a lot. Mm. So it's not like it just I nail it. Um, it's like I search for it, and I may draw this, that work on that face and draw it fifteen times, and I'll stop on the fifteenth one because now I have the exact little combo that I was looking for. And it's kind of, it's just kind of the way I'm wired. Like if we're in a room with a dozen people at dinner, um, I spend more time watching other people than I do thinking about how I look. So mm. I'm taking in, I'm taking in that person right there, you know, and taking in all those little details, you know, and I watch the, the way their mouth muscle works and all that. And um, which makes me kind of spacey uh, in that <laughs> environment. <laughs> you know, if you've ever gone to an uh, after con dinner, like on Saturday night at a con, somebody ha always has a nice dinner at their house or something, and there'll be a bunch of artists there. Well, there's always a couple of old guys who are talking to each other about the, the days, but there's the other artists, young and old, who are kind of sitting in a chair and they're just staring at the wall like a cat on drugs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they're taking stuff in. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. taking it in and it'll come out either 
next week at the board or even a year from now at the board. And they'll remember the way that person had their sheetrock in circles. And that's what they were looking at. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just it's just how you're wired. You know, so no, I don't I don't nail it. I don't have that kind of God-given talent that just I could get up on the stage and draw for an auction and it'd be great. I don't have that talent. Mm. I need an eraser and I'll just chase it like a uh, OCD person until I get it. So it's more like that. Okay. Well, that, that makes me feel better. So, you, so, well, I'm just, I'm just glad that you're human. Like, there, you, you are, mm. you are like a real, a real human. But I mean, I didn't still, say I was human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how you couldn't be because you, the way you capture humanity, um, in, in all its mm. different aspects, uh, whether whether it's whether it's through horror or action or sentimentality, like all these elements you have in, in your various narratives, uh, and how you're able to capture that in, in dialogue and and through your art uh, is really great and your prose is good too like in strangers in paradise every now and then when we when we come across like the the brief prose sections like your prose writing's good it's like you're it's not you're just you're you're not it's not fair man yeah you're like uh, I, I, you remind I, me I, like I, jeff I, lemire <laughs> you're like good at everything this, it all comes from the same place though i mean i can i write prose because i've read a lot of prose okay i think that anybody i think anybody who loves to read can Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first requirements be well read to even speak in public. I mean, you're mm-hmm. people can tell the difference. So it's like that. I mean, you just you're just uh taking what you love and putting it back out. And so whether it's prose or it's the way people look at uh in line for at the soda machine, whatever. And, you know, or um what I'm a, you know what I don't have? Uh you're talking about my strengths, my weaknesses. I'm not a good designer. Um, you see these people who can draw these wonderful dynamic covers and I search for that. You, if you look at my mm. drawings, a, a lot of my drawings are, are people just standing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to get you a job at Marvel. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I heard a, uh, musician say one time that he just, Oh, Stevie Vai was saying that what he did was he was not a well-rounded guitar player. So what he did was he focused on his strengths. He loved to shred and run on the neck. So he focused on that and built his whole style around it. And I think every artist is kind of like that, you know. Um, and and hopefully if they focus and specialize in it enough, they become distinctive. You can tell a Bill Sienkiewicz from an Adam Hughes. Yeah. Because those two guys focused on what they loved and did seem to come best for them. And then I, you can tell, you know, that, that that's just how it is. That's what you shoot for, I guess. You know, find out what your strengths are, focus on it. Nice. That's a, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Because, you know, so many, I know, so I was in an MFA program for a while um, and doing like mm-hmm. creative writing and um, I was doing like poetry and creative nonfiction. I've, I've oh. written some short stories and tried to get them published and, and haven't had, haven't had much luck there, but I also haven't tried as hard as I should have um, as like some of my other classmates were because that whole submission process like so i'm old enough right where, where when i was like submitting stories and stuff you still sent to publications with like a self-addressed stamped envelope and like you yes. know you had to you had to send all that in the envelope and um and then wait you know six months uh to get a to get a rejection letter and stuff like that yes uh, 
And so like, I, I've, I've been around, I've been around the block and, and so many people tell you that, you know, like write what you know, but then other people also tell you like, you know, don't, don't corner yourself, right? Don't be scared to branch out. Don't, don't be scared to get out of your comfort zone and try new and experiment. And I, you know, I think in, in art, um, especially in comics now, cause comics can get, I love comics. I love the big two. I love superhero stuff, but you you can't you can't not notice that some of it gets a little formulaic right like some of it is because of deadlines yes. people run out of time you know like it's just like sometimes things feel rushed or, or too easily wrapped up because they they ran out of time or, or for whatever reason that happens you know in in bigger direct market productions but um you know so it is it is very important to know your strengths know your weaknesses and also to challenge them you know which yes. which i think that's that's how you to you know great creators find that balance um which is yes. it's hard just like as like a, as you like finding your voice as a writer or you know like uh, your your style as an artist so it's um it's it, it's it's very it's very good advice and, and it's it's simple you know it's well it sounds simple to say right but to in practice it becomes a whole different monster to, to wrestle with but um but yeah I, I i totally i totally agree with that and and i also uh i also see like really see what you mentioned earlier about like uh people watching and like sometimes being like the quiet one at the dinner party uh i was a bouncer in a bar for for many years and uh, it's like all you know if, if, so you're if a people watcher yeah like that's all i did you know like it, I, I i if it was slow i was watching people because i was bored if it was busy i was watching people that i thought were gonna cause trouble you know and, and it's just like i i got good at reading people uh the older i got in that industry the the more i found out that i would much rather uh talk people down instead of like you know um the older you get even if you win a fight you hurt for three days afterwards right like so i i started getting more into the, like hey you know like come back tomorrow man you just gotta go tonight you know and, and like i i got really good at, at talking to people um which is how this all started too like me doing interviews and stuff uh and and so yes i i, I watch people um I, I learned how to write dialogue from listening to people talk. Um, uh, when I was in my grad program, like a lot of people would tell me, like they would ask me how I write dialogue. And, and I, I was like, just go sit and listen, you know, like, and, um, but you know, being a good listener is hard too. Like, I, I mean, that's, you know, in, in relationships and stuff, that's one of the biggest, um, causes for concern. Right. And whether it's platonic or uh, family or intimate, like, you know, a lot of people don't listen and it causes big problems. And so, you know, l listening and, you know, being aware of your surroundings, um, being aware of yourself, like all these things, I, you know, make, um, make realness on the page. And these are all things I see in your stories that you really excel at, right? Like, the dialogue, even when the dialogue is outrageous, even when it's, even when it's, uh, even when it's like a woman, uh, jamming her heel into the eye socket of an ex UFC fighter, uh, in, in the new, no, into his ear. Oh, into his, yeah, into his ear. Yeah. <laughs> it's faster uh, to the brain that way. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it starts, she starts in the, starts with the, she starts with the, in his, in his foot and then comes up and then, yeah, in the ear. Uh, and then what, you know, whether it's like moments like that, uh, in, in the new Parker girls or, or just, um, you know, or, or Francine and Cachu like stumbling over each other, uh, both of them like wanting to love each other and scared to love each other simultaneously, like the realness in that, um, so many people can't pull off and, and you're very humble. And I appreciate that about you, but there's, they're really, and people that are familiar with your work agree with me because I've, I've talked to people about this and it's just like, there's, um, there's just so much, it just seems so real, even without the color, like it's, it's black and white, but there's, 
it's it's full of this other kind of like emotional vibrance right that doesn't that doesn't need colors and doesn't need shading and it's just so bright and vibrant and and as a reader like fills you with a certain warmness i think that's why rachel rising was so great uh because like great horror has to manipulate your emotions and you know how to do that like you you can dot those i's and cross those t's it seems effortless as you mentioned before it 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 may not always feel like that when when you're you know leaning over the drawing table uh erasing and redrawing scenes but the end result uh, like i every page i've ever read from you i couldn't imagine it being better you know like it just every every moment hits oh man like thank you like honestly like i don't I'm so I'm so like gonna have to try and reel myself in a couple times because I like I'm a I'm a big fan of yours and and it's just so like cool to to get to talk to you and the reason why we're talking I guess we should bring that up right is the Terry Moore After Dark art book um, which is what we're here to promote and which technically doesn't need promotion (laughs) you're you're doing everything perfectly. I just looked at the campaign page. What are you, so we're we're shooting for a hundred. Well, we're shooting for the moon, right? But one twenty five. I I really want that Frank Cho print. Like I'm. Right. I love I love his art too. Um, he uh, same same with you. Like he's he's very like uh, physical and realistically sexy, and and I love that you know his his characters. Like he's he's not afraid to like add add some curves and extra pounds on his characters to to resemble like real people because you know we're not all perfectly fit and chiseled out of marble, right? Um. And so I, I like his art for this, the same reason. I think it was cool of you to like bring him in because your your styles um, cross over in, in good ways. I feel like so we're at, you're at hundred just over one hundred twenty three thousand dollars. Your campaign has Christ. been live for a week. Like wow. that's that's crazy, man. That's so cool. Like, <laughs> and this is your first go. This is your first go with Kickstarter, right? Yeah, we're late to the party. All of our uh, friends that have that are publishers, they were all doing it and saying, "Why aren't you doing this?" Mm-hmm. It's the way to get your book out now. What was your What was your hesitancy all these years? It's a lot of work. I kept hearing from everybody that's a lot of work, but we decided we've been doing it all along anyway. We're doing the same amount of work. Yeah, uh, when well, yeah, because we, you're you're doing everything at Abstract. You you and your wife, right? It's, it's yeah. like a two person show, kind of, right? We're totally geared for this. This is exactly what we do: is we we make a book and we fulfill the uh, orders ourselves and all the other merchandise. That's what we do. So yes. this was perfect for us. Now, and, you know, now we have a 30 year track record. I think people can trust it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember what was a, a couple years ago for five years. Um, I remember, I remember when you broke your website, um, because like when you launched the, the five year yeah. deal and it came, if you, if you were one of the first day one back or there wasn't many copies to begin with, but if you were like day one, you got a signed print and the nice hardcover. And like, I remember, um, being at work, like refreshing and then freaking out, like all your other fans, like it's not working. What's happening? You know, and everybody, and you're, and you're so many people tried to buy it at once. Like your website caught on fire. And then you guys had to, you guys had to like call your tech people and get everything. Like, but that, I say it's a good problem to have. It's a terrible problem to have, but it's it was, good that like it, so many it, people it, want it, right? <laughs> shut down the, yeah, it kind of like rained on the party. And what it, it was one of those things where um, the movie joke, we're going to need a bigger boat or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we upgraded boats three times until now because we kept jamming the pipeline. And wow. now we got the, the last one we did, we finally got, you know, an eight lane highway of service and it, we, we had no problem, but man, what a learning process that was. Yeah. You can't not, you cannot get a big enough pipeline. Uh, you know, you're always going to get jammed. 
Yeah, that's uh, I. It, it was so, and I felt like I, I like felt bad. I remember that day, man, because like I said, I was while working in between calls at work. Like I'm refreshing, like ready to like put my info in and buy a copy. And but I, I kept thinking, I was like, man, like that's such a bummer because like you, you were on social media, you were really excited about it. You were like, we're launching at 10 a.m. in the morning. Like everybody, be ready. It's gonna be a party. And then and then to like you know, like I said, then to you and your wife to like deal with all that stress and like being on the phone, calling the web people, trying to figure out how to fix this problem and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess with Kickstarter, you don't have to worry about that. Nine fifty nine. Here we go. Here we go. Yay! (laughs) And then at ten oh one, it's just like fifty five tweets of oh shit. What's going on? I can't get in. I can't get in. I'm in, but I'm stuck. I can't get out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Like it was like it was like different moments because I, I remember like oh I got it in my cart and then nothing. <laughs> it was like these little like baby steps of like I'm gonna get this fucking book if it's not like. But I, I, you know I I think everybody ended, I got mine. I know a lot of other people got Good. theirs and and it, it all ended up it all ended up being okay. But I I, I totally thought about that. You know with the the you know maddening success of of this new Kickstarter. Uh, because you know, we we knew it was in a good place because it was what seven minutes you fund you, you got like 15k in seven minutes and then it just wouldn't stop. Uh, and then and then it kept going. And now with, with yours, you know, you, I know a lot of people are probably buying art from you too, which helps the numbers. Um, but I still hope so. it is for sale. The art is for sale, yeah. Yeah, but it's I mean, man, it's just uh it's it it was astronomical, like watching those numbers climb. And and I was so like I was so happy for you, man, because so like you so you deserve it like you you work really hard you make really good product and and i and i know i do a lot of kickstarter interviews with with a lot of people and and i know that that stress and and weirdness and 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 you know like you know the the worry that comes with that um and and especially when it's you know this is your first campaign even though you do have it you'd have a big audience you know like which totally helps you know people know you people know you deliver your product and and you you know abstract delivers on books that that you guys make but but even with all that you know it's still like this is something totally new right and and you're you're in it and and you're not really sure what's going to happen and it was funny because a friend of the show pat shand um that i call him mr six figures a lot because he he got the 100k club not long ago and i sent him a, a dm uh, cause I saw, you know, when you follow people on Kickstarter, it tells you like when you guys back the same stuff and it was like Charlie Stickney and Pat Shan backed Terry Moore. And I sent Pat a, a DM and I, and I was like, Terry's coming for you. And that's when I, and Pat told, Pat told me he was assisting, uh, you on, on your campaign. And I was kind of like, I, I totally didn't, you know, didn't know that, which is like, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a crowdfunding genius. Like he's so good at marketing and, and, and doing all that. But how did, how did you, and like, did you know Pat just from being comic creators or like, how did you guys cross paths? Well, we, yeah, I knew him as a comic creator. And then at one point, just a few years, short years back, not long ago, maybe two years ago, uh, I drew a cover for him. And um, so we were just been, you know, keeping in touch ever since. And then I was really watching, I was listening to him chat on Friday nights with a couple of other guys on uh, Twitter live chatting. Mm-hmm. And they were talking comics and I was listening and um, Pat just was really sharp. He knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And so I, I told Robin that and I told her that she he was doing crowdfunding and really understood it. And um, we were we looked, we checked him out and um, decided to get him to see if he could help us launch our first one. And he's been absolutely wonderful to work with. I mean, uh, he could probably just make a side career out of just, you know, helping with uh, people trying mm-hmm. to launch their first Kickstarter. 
um, just absolutely a top-notch professional guy to work with. <clears throat> and it, and you, as you can tell, it worked. So, <laughs> yes. You guys, you, guys, you guys have very similar or, or sort of similar products. Like I, I'm a big fan yeah. of his Destiny New York uh, yes. series. But, you know, when I, when I first heard about it, you know, initially I was like, I don't know that this is necessarily for me. But the more I got to know him and see the success of Destiny, I was like, I got to try this. And then it ended up being like much very similar to Stranger in paradise right where it's you it's it has this huge slice of life mentality but it's not afraid to go off the rails his goes into like magic and fantasy and warring factions but much like yours goes into like the darcy parker darkness and like you know all this the crazy kind of mafioso assassin you know the, these like these female assassins and and all this crazy backstory you have in strangers in paradise which which i'm only at like a quarter of the way through right now and i just can't even imagine where else else it goes especially after reading the new I, I i read the four issues of parker girls to to prep for talking to you because you know the, that's ongoing right now and you're and you're releasing that as well um and and it, again like it's all these things come out through abstract studios um do you ever have people trying to like poach you from yourself do you ever have publishers like hit you up and be like like publish through us like do something through us or dude like because i mean i would i would try and I, you know like it, or i know you did like the black mask some black like you mentioned for pat uh for the the reprints of um uh, uh, they're reprinting destiny and the spinoffs right now at black mask and and i saw you did a, a cover for him which was which was gorgeous and uh he, he pat tweeted that uh the other day and um but i i kind of wondered that because it's you've had so much success with your own publishing house um but that's so hard to do uh you know just on top of the 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 weight of the responsibility that's on you much like like with kickstarter how you're, you're you have to take everything on yourself um but you know you're doing you're doing your own promotion which you kind of geniusly incorporated that into your youtube channel which is very smart um and and you know you've you've been you've been around for a while right people know your name people know your art people you you can you can see a terry moore sketch and know exactly who it is right and and most people know who the characters are too when you when you see even if you've only like me read a little bit of strangers in paradise like you can pick those characters out of a lineup anywhere um but it, it like it's it's crazy to see like your success and um like it, it always shocked me that like you know like why we don't see on like a, a, even if it was cover work like a marvel dc cover or something you know like is that just not like or is that not really an interest for you or, or are you just are you too busy maybe as well like or um what's like what keeps you at abstract and only at abstract, I guess. Um, the deadlines, uh, mm. keeping the the series on, on schedule is just, it's all I can handle. And then yeah. there's usually some sort of sketching going on in any spare time for whether it's a show or an upcoming online event of our own. Mm. Um, but before, um, when my sketches were simpler and faster to make, I did do other outside projects. Um, I haven't done any in a while. I guess that's why it's not at all on on your uh, on mine. You know, on your mind. Um, but yeah, I've worked with most of the other houses at one point or another, just in little projects. Okay. Um, and that was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I did it. Um, but nobody remembers me for that. See, um, but they do remember me for Strangers in Paradise and whatever book I'm making. So. I think, you know, life is short and it's better for me to paint my own things to, than it is to go draw 
you know, be the one millionth artist on Thor, you know. Uh, <laughs> totally. I'm the only artist that draws Kachu, but everybody's drawing Batman. So I think I'll stay with stay in my lane. I gotcha. No, I, I, I like that too, though. Like, I, I like that your loyalties, you know, lie within your own creations, right? Um, I, I interviewed a... Uh, the uh, scout writer uh, Marcus Onasso, who has a really great um, book called By the Horns, really great sci fantasy series uh, coming out right now. And, um, you know, we're thinking of like your project, this After Dark deal of how, and, and these aren't, it, these aren't grotesque, sexified, like they're, they're, they're very, it's very highbrow, sexualized art. Uh, it's, and it's art though, you know, it's not like, it's, it's not like some of these like nude variants we see on that are very popular on Kickstarter, which some of them can be cool too, but also some of them are like like really like and then you have like 30 different kinds for like one issue and i mean i guess they i guess they make money so like i you know i, I shouldn't i shouldn't talk down on them and, I, and i'm not I, I get why they're there and i get that there's a market but you know after dark is different then it feels different to me right because you still you love these characters and you respect them and you see that in these in these sketches that you've been showcasing and, and sharing and i get marcus was talking about his main character elodie and she's uh his his artist is very talented jason muir and draws this very beautiful woman and i and a lot of people have come to him um asking to do like store exclusives and like a like a nude sexy variant store exclusives and he refuses to do it and he's like he's like i respect her and love her too much to like sexualize her like that for money and it was like funny kind of like we we all in the group chat laughed about it but also i was like that's one of the most beautiful things i've like to to love a a fictionalized character that much right and and again i think that's why the book their book is so good is because there is that love fr from the characters and you see that in every panel uh and that's i i get that in every single panel of strangers in paradise um like there's they're just like and i'm sure they feel real to you right and i'm sure after thousands and thousands of pages i'm sure in a sense they are real in in a, in a few ways too but i love i love that that respect carried into this after dark um element and and i'm i'm so excited to like get this and you know art books usually um, I don't buy a lot of those. Like, you, you know, like it's, I want like the story, you know, I want to, I want to read the dialogue and get the story and I want there to be like a plot. And so this is one of the first like creator art books I've ever bought. But, you know, even when you announced it, I knew, I, I was like, well, I got to get it. Uh, you know, and it was just like uh, the same reason why I spent the extra money on the, the Strangers in Paradise hardcover uh, omnibus set, because uh, it came with the, the cover gallery, you know, and, and I was like, to me, that was worth the extra 50 bucks or, or, or whatever the end result was, you know, and um, and I'm, I'm so glad I got it. Now I'm even more glad I got it because we found out that once those are gone, they're gone now. You guys are not going to be reprinting those. Um, and I saw some some of your fans uh, were or don't seem that happy about it. But it's funny because like you can still buy it right now. Like it's just no right now you can still get it. There's no need to be salty or angry. Like buy it if you want it, ladies and gentlemen. And you should. It's a, it's a, it's one of the 
I, everybody who knows me knows I buy a lot of omnibuses. I love Marvel and DC omnibuses. It's, it's my favorite format. Um, you know, like they're heavy. I don't care, but they're, you know, I like, I like hardcovers. I like that they're oversized. I like that everything's all together. Um, you know, it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool way to read comic books. And yours is by far the most beautiful omnibus I own in my collection. Like the slip case, oh, wow. the cover gallery, um, uh, the, the, fo the, the foil stamping underneath the dust jackets, like, such a great such a great package and you mentioned earlier you're not a great designer um so did did someone help you with that because that's design wise that's one of the most beautiful comic books i've ever seen no that's just me trying my best at it well you're then you're a good designer sir <laughs> you throw <laughs> you throw that stuff right well, i got away with that one didn't i <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, man. And, and like, like we mentioned earlier, so this is about to get reprinted. Um, but there, you're going to remove some of the side stories that are kind of like additional to the narrative, right? So we're, you're going to, we're going to lose about a hundred or so pages of what's in yeah. the omnibuses. Uh, so you, ladies and gentlemen, for real, like it's an expensive omnibus set, but it's worth every penny. You really, and Terry's got them in the store uh, still. So like you can get them now before they're gone forever. Uh, I think your store still has a full set of the pocket editions, yeah. um, which are kind of, yeah. they're kind of, they're about like manga sized. They seem yeah. right. Yeah. That's the um, template. Yeah. Okay, cool. And they're and, meant and, to be disposable and loan them out to your friends. Put them in your back pocket carry it around <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a backpack book and uh but you know it's in in six affordable little chunks okay and the new ones the new editions are going to be four volumes right You're gonna four volumes four. and it's for the book market because um the reason we're doing this is because we uh, have signed with diamond book distributor for them to put us into the book market oh, and cool. um the the big hundred dollar 120 dollar omnibus is too expensive and too big for the book market, it won't be mm. a popular format. And the six pocketbook mangas is um, uh, too hard to get people back into the store six times in a book market uh, for me, <laughs> for a newcomer with no track record. So they're gonna turn it into four equal sized volumes um, that are, are more affordable and they're not unwieldy. It'll look like just a regular hardcover novel that there people are buying in that store anyway. Are they going to be hardcover? Yeah, there will be a hardcover, of course. Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't. Um, I was. I was. I, didn't, I thought they were just. Uh, I thought they were going to be trades. That's cool. Man, no, I might. Have, I might have to double dip now if you're if if they're no. coming out with the hardcover action. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, hopefully, it'll look like a you know like you went in and bought the latest John Grisham book or something. You know. Um, just be as familiar as possible to a book buyer, you know, okay. that, that kind of thing. So, and, and, and of course we can't afford to have, you know, uh, three different formats going. So yeah. we're just going to, the other two, the omnibus and the pocketbooks, they've been around for a very long time. So everybody's had plenty of time to get, get them. And, um, yeah. and so we're, we don't feel bad about shutting that down and having just a new final format. That's just four, because it was always like you had a hard choice was people may have one pocketbook, but not the others, or, mm -hmm. you know, they want, they're going to wait to get the omnibus, but they never have. So, you know, it's expensive. So yeah, I think it's a good solution. Yeah. It's um, I'm, I, I think it's good. I just, I want more people to read the comic. Cause it, you know, a lot of people know strangers in paradise. They know that name, they know your art and they, they recognize the characters, but there's still a lot of people that haven't 
as I found out, as I've been like reading it and talking about it to my audience and a lot of people are like, Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm like, no, it's like, check this out. It's great. And I know, um, you know, a while back. That's, that's one of the reasons why I stopped actually is because I, I was noticing it more and more that everybody had heard of it, but only a few people had read it. And I was yeah. afraid of becoming one of those things that everybody's heard of, but nobody's read like Blondie mm. comic strip. <clears throat> Everybody's heard of Blondie and Dagwood. Nobody reads it. Yeah. And I was afraid of becoming that book. So I thought, well, after 13 years, it's time to shut it down. Otherwise, I would. I thought I was going to do it for my whole life. I didn't realize that you could get to this this point of, you know, that's what that person does. And we never visit that island, you know. Yeah. So there's a danger there. So so you're not only are you shutting down these old prints, like are, are you like after after Parker Girls? Is that going to be uh, like, is that is that kind of the going to be like the, the summary of, of your Strangers in Paradise experience? Or, or is there a chance like that maybe you'll come back and, and do more one day? I mean, I like your other properties are cool. Like, you know, you've got Serial um, and that. That that just um, that that just came out with the hardcover and, and uh, people were digging and and so you're you could it's not like you're 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 very much not a like a one trick show right you're you're versatile you have a lot of great story ideas you're and you're ready to like make those happen um but you know i know like you know with strangers in paradise you had such a huge run and then you did like the strangers in paradise uh 15 um the the bonus stories and then you did strangers in paradise kids and um so and and now parker and i'm like like i said like i'm i'm i love those first four issues and i'm very you know i i can't wait to see where it keeps going it's such a great mystery and i like the research you did in it like there's so many when you start talking about like crypto and the money handling and when they're when they're looking at the the bloated drowned body and talking about like what is it like lung powder or lung gas or something like i can't remember but i was like i was like dude terry knows his shit like i was like this is like an episode of like ncis but good because i think ncis is garbage like i can't get into that stuff and like this was just like again feels so real and even though like it's kind of like crazy there's this like these this this team of 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 like the women spies and and assassins kind of that can just like fit in anywhere and at the drop of a hat like abandon any relationships they've built and move to a different locale and start a new job and like the heartlessness and ferociousness that comes with that kind of like that lifestyle right it's just like it's like nothing that you know it's like it reminds me of James Bond sort of, but like totally different uh, and, and a little bit more sinister, but it comes from the same era. Um, the Parker girls came from a, a new scandal that happened during the James Bond years, the cold war years. Oh, James, yeah. Bond actually, James Bond actually emerged in post-World War II, of course, and through the fifties uh, when the cold war started ramping up. But um, in 1964, there was a scandal in Britain. Uh, it turns out that a how one of the members of the house of Lords had a girlfriend and was telling her secrets in the bedroom as he you know, unwound at the end of each hard week. Oh, wow. It turns out she was a, uh, a Russian spy and she was taking all the info <laughs> and to the Kremlin. And uh, it was a huge deal. It all blew up in his face and everything. Her name was Christine Keeler and she went on to be quite, you know, infamous. Uh, as she explained, oh yeah, we've, we've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, so it, it, later on, I was thinking about, uh, you know, this Darcy Parker having a, a kind of a, an extension of her crime family and wanting to, con to control business and power and all that. 
Well, you, you see these old men leaving their wives of 40 years for younger girlfriends. Why in the world they think that girl is really interested in them? I don't know. Mm. Uh, but I was thinking what a great spot to insert a Christine Keeler so that she can now be the girlfriend of the guy who runs Microsoft or Boeing or whatever yeah. and gets the inside scoop. It's a lot cheaper than a weather balloon. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, I it just all kind of came together. You know, I, I read two books when I was 11, um, that really two book series that really influenced me. Uh, one was I read all the James Bond books, and the other was a, a series about a girls' boarding school. It was like Harry Potter without magic. Hmm. Um, and so if you put James Bond with a girls' boarding school, you have Strangers in Paradise. And that's basically where it all came from. And then I just pulled from all this, everything that I ever heard and saw in life and just dumped it all in there. <laughs> You write women exceptionally well. Uh, and, it, you know, in, in today's world, you know, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you got to be a little bit careful with what you say and do. Um, and some people are not careful with with what they say and do. But you, you, you give your character such like a, a wonderful amount of agency and meaning and, and, you know, like just liveliness. Uh, and not not every male creator can do that. Right. Um Greg Rucka is is one of the other comic book guys who writes really strong, um, really great, you know, believable women. Um, but I, I see, you know, I see a lot of characters or a lot of I see like the Internet come after people a lot uh, where it's like this guy does not get women or this guy does not get this culture. And, you know, as, as I don't I don't ever remember anyone ever coming at you, um, you know, like that. And when you're, when you're writing kind of like a, like a queer narrative and, and you're, and you're dealing with, you know, um, with, with women, um, did, I mean, have, have you, was, is that ever like a struggle? Uh, do you have like, do you have like a, a group or like friends or do you, like, that do you ever like run by circumstances that are like test readers to kind of like, you know, like to see if you took something too far or didn't do something right. Um, like, cause I just, I feel like that would just be kind of like a, I feel like that would be challenging um, to get kind of, you know, as a, as a, as a male writer to get, to get, you know, the, 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 the lesbian aspect and the relationship and how, you know, how involved they are with each other and, and make it just seem real and also universal, right? Like as a, as a straight white male, like I don't feel I'm very much connected and with your characters and, and in that with, with them. Right. I, I feel like very welcomed into the narrative and it's just all those, all those elements that make strangers in paradise, the great piece of literature that it is. Like, I, I kind of wondered if, um, if you ever had people like helping you out with that, or if you ever, or conversely, like, did you get, like I said, like, I haven't read everything yet. Like, did, have, did you ever get in a little bit of trouble? Did anyone ever be like, slow your roll? Or, or have you been kind of pretty consistent on that acceptance? Um, I don't really remember. I mean, I have my ass handed to me every day. <laughs> of all those ass handings, <laughs> I don't remember anyone calling me out for being uh doing damage or doing something nice. you know handling things wrong um and i i think and i i have a super sharp tongue i mean i, I made a i made i did a lot of alienating as a teenager and guy in my <laughs> 20s but 
So I don't know if I could have handled things in my 20s, but I didn't start until I was in my 30s where I had begun to back off and start stop seeing stop seeing what my eyes see and start seeing with my heart and start seeing everybody as a human being. Yeah. And we all have the same uh, buttons inside, the same triggers, the same needs, the same desire. And, and everything on the outside comes after. So once I started just drawing and writing about human beings falling in love or wishing they, they could have love, mm-hmm. um, once you start writing from that level, you're kind of on the right track. Okay. And then write about human beings first and then write about what kind of clothes they wear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think if you write with love and respect, for the characters, um, you're going to be able to talk about anything, you know, um, we're supposed to, you know, we always imagine we could talk about anything, but there's always somebody in the room that is the, you know, presents an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And when you're working alone as a writer, you get to have those conversations without somebody from, you know, one side or the other interrupting and making a point that's off stream. You know, um, so I'm able to have the luxury of focusing and letting my characters finish their conversation without interruption. Mm. So that the, the main point gets said, which is basically, you know, maybe as simple as I love you and I don't trust myself to say it right. I don't yeah. know how to behave, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about writing is you can steer those conversations to stay on point and get somewhere. And I like that. Yeah, it's hard to do that at a kitchen table with four people. But, um, <laughs> when you're writing a book, uh, you can finish the conversation. So I like that. Um, as far as you know, I'm a straight white guy, and I am invisible in a room. I mean, I, I don't have a presence to me. I'm not a good-looking actor, guy, or you know, whatever. So I'm kind of invisible, and I've really spent most of my life um, just observing the room. Uh, I would, I, I do way more listening than I do talking, and um, that's how I present the story narrative as a third-person narrative. I'm Watson describing what Sherlock Holmes did. I'm not Holmes. I don't. I'm not in that league. Um, but I, I was there in the room when it happened, and here's what I saw. So that's how I write about people that are not me. Okay. So it could be Kachu and Francine, or it could be uh, a Russian assassin. You know, I mean, how does anybody write about um, Superman? We have nothing yeah. in common with that guy. Nothing. Not even biology is in common with him. So no one is qualified to write about him. Um, but we do, because we're all Jimmy Olsen. We're... <laughs> You know, there's always our avatar in the story somewhere. Yeah. You know, you're the sidekick that is watching uh, Luke Skywalker and Leia work it out, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I take the, the quiet avatar approach and uh, just try to be faithful to the characters and know that what they're striving for is the same thing that you could be a straight guy who's totally into football. And if you've ever fallen in love and it didn't work out, you're still going to be interested in Strangers in Paradise because I basically took a love triangle and I miscast it. And instead of putting the good looking young guy uh, chasing Francine, I replaced it with a female actress. And I wrote the exact same script and it still works. (laughs) Lesbians don't have a different conversation. They're not from Mars. You know, it's human beings wishing for companionship and, and happiness and family. 
Um, but if you write on that level, how are you going to fuck it up? Yeah. You know, how could how could anybody not write that? Anybody should be able to write that, really. I mean, if you've paid attention to life around you, uh, we should all be able to, um, you know, prism that back out. Wow. That's yeah. No, I that 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 makes a that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I love the I love I love the equating that to, to Superman because like, yes, like, but also like, not everybody writes a great Superman, you know. Like that's there's there's a lot of and and I don't agree with a lot of this discourse, but I mean there's you know there's a lot of people that like think Superman comics are boring because of the Boy Scout mentality and because he's, you know, everybody says he's like doesn't have a weakness, but he you know he he does have weaknesses and he has he has human weaknesses too, like emotional weaknesses and and stuff like that that he has to uh, you know compensate and, and deal with um and you know much much like your character is how um there's there's a lot of emotional weaknesses uh there's a lot of there's a lot of trauma that both of these women have to overcome and deal with and um you know the way they talk about that the way that the way that gets like let out into the room uh like when we find out about Ketchu's past uh and uh and then like you know, like with, with Francine, everybody's always commenting on her body, um, which is so pertinent, you know, today. Cause it's, it's, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like you and Frank Cho aren't scared to, um, give your character some extra curves and there's, they still like look beautiful, um, and, and sexy, you know, and, but there's still like all those people that are like, Oh, you know, you, if she lost 30 pounds, she'd, she'd, she'd look so, my God, you know, like she just let herself go and all this stuff. And it's funny. Cause like Francine is very like my type in, in the, in the real world. And, and I've, I've noticed this that like uh, one of my, one of my exes is, is very Francine. And the only thing I don't like about strangers in paradise is it like, I've been like, it, it's made me think about her, uh, this waitress I dated back in my, in my bouncer bar days, you know? And it's like, and, and, and it was like, I was like, man. And, and, you know, it's very similar to like, except I'm not an asshole. I hope like Freddie, but like the way Freddie, like won't let her go. And he's always like, uh, he, he's always like, you know, leaving her voicemails and getting, getting the, the, the pictures that he gets from his friend and the, the bikini stuff and like all that craziness. And it's like, all that's happening. And, and I was like, very much like reminded of like the Francine that I had for a moment and got away. Um, but like you mentioned how, like, whether you're a, if you're a straight guy who likes football or you've never read comics like these and you only read like Batman and Superman comics or Spider-Man comics, well, Spider-Man has a lot of relationship stuff in it too. But you know, if, if you've ever been in love or lost someone or, or, you know, struggled with your feelings. Yeah. It's, I, I would find it very hard for someone. You'd have to be like a, a rock, like, like a, a not, you've never felt anything very boring, very flat, very not human person. The only, like, the only people who would not like the story or appreciate it are psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, that literally. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to be a psychopath, to <laughs> and you would just stare at the book with your unblinking eye, <laughs> never sneezing. What a what a what a selling point! Like, if, you, yeah. if, if you're not like a psychopath, you'll love this book. <laughs> now, you uh, you've mentioned before, like the, a lot of people, um, and you, you've you've you know shared some of the sketches and like topless sketches or or beach sketches with like Francine and Ketchu and some of your other characters where they're a little bit more provocative and and you've shared that with your social media audience and you've mentioned that like people have been urging you to release a collection like that for for years now right and which you've now done 
and it's doing very well on Kickstarter right now. And what what made you decide that like now was the time to do this? People, uh, our friends have been telling us for quite a while, <clears throat> and we saw that they were doing well. Um, Billy Tucci has been doing some Kickstarters. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Even Jeff Smith has done a Kickstarter, and uh, he's not really a tech guy. I mean, he has a terrific online presence. But he's not enamored with technology, and they even talked Jeff into it. <laughs> so um, I thought Robin and I were thinking we should give this a shot because it's no different than trying self-publishing. This mm -hmm. is a new um, a new path to get your work out to people, um, and you reach people that would may not ever you may not cross paths the other ways. Um, I'm I have experience the truth of uh don't rely on just how it always was be watching for the next new thing too yeah like in terms of publishing where you know things were it had to be a, a week a monthly comic book oh now we're all making trades oh now we're all making omnibuses oh now we're all making variant covers oh now we're all going to <clears throat> now we're all going to con conventions you have to do all this yeah well things have changed you know and so um it's 2023 time to do a kickstarter <laughs> I'm I'm only about ten years late. <laughs> now is this is this going to change the way um, your future collected editions release? You think? Like I'm, I'm I'm assuming once Parker Girls wraps up, it's solicited to issue seven um, right yeah. now and in previews. Oh, it's going to be ten, 10. issues. Okay, yeah. so uh, like it'll be ten total. Yeah. Okay, so like and then you you know you you typically will drop a hardcover after after you do these. Uh, now, so let's let's jump forward. You know, a year or yeah, I guess it'd be about a year before it wraps up. Um, you know what? Uh, would 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 you consider putting that on Kickstarter? You think like doing the doing the hardcover Parker Girls or, or future hardcover editions? Like, is this like going to be a new thing to think about for your future book releases? No, um, I think that uh, because Parker Girls has been going through Diamond, uh, uh, you know, as my as my release method. Um, I'll finish it out that way, and that's what where, where the books will come out. Okay. Um, but Kickstarter was something I wanted to try with the. Uh, you know, it'd be hard to sell this book through comic book yeah. stores because okay. it's has topless stuff. But um, so I thought this would be a good one to try on Kickstarter just to see if there's a market. And then if I, I come back, if I come back to Kickstarter, um, I would do a story, a new story okay. of some sort. And Robin wanted me to do a story to begin with, but it would take me most of a year to make it. Um, and what do I do for a living while I'm drawing? <laughs> so... That's the nice thing about the old model of put out a monthly book is the monthly book supports you yeah. uh, while you work. So, if, but if you take a year off to draw a graphic novel, how'd you eat? Mm -hmm. Where'd your money come from? Yeah. So that's the that's the trick. What um I know I know you've got on your campaign page I know you've got a link to your your store um to for you know to you know Motor Girl and and all these other uh, things we can get into on the abstract site has, has that have you had um are you finding a new audience like like through through Kickstarter or are you seeing like people go to the web store picking up new stuff that are that are backing these campaigns like are are you are you moving more books a little bit I think um. I hope so. It, we'll have to wait and see what the, you know, the, I don't really run that business part of it. Okay. My wife, Robin does, and I'm sure that she will look at the analytics and see where traffic came from um, because she is that smart. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll just, uh, I do it, it business-wise, I do what she tells me. <laughs> <laughs> 
all my decisions are just here at the drawing board. Uh, I'll be thinking of when the, we're done with this, I won't go check Kickstarter. I'll go back to the board and draw the next page um, hmm. and leave it to Robin to figure out, uh, did that work? Nice. Now, so I've noticed that there are, there are different Kickstarter creatives, right? There are some people that... Um, if they treat it like any kind of new social media addiction, right? You're refreshing it several times a day. You're checking the numbers. You're, you're sweating when you like lose the pledge. You're excited when you gain a couple, uh, and then you're, you're not there yet. Right. But in the next couple of weeks, you're going to, well, may, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but there's, there's that typical lull, right. Of, of like, you know, at like the, the couple of weeks and then the last few days before the Kickstarter ends, you'll get like another big boost, especially in the last 48 hours. Cause Kickstarter will, a lot of people. People that are watching your campaign um that, that See, i didn't know any it. of this this is spoilers for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's 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 like a there's like a dead a dead period typically until like the last kind of 48 hours and uh -huh. then kickstarter will, be dead. <laughs> they'll send out like a, a a mass email to like everybody who's watching your campaign and say like hey you got 48 hours left to, to back this and then and then you'll get like a surge of backers that have been waiting right um what were they waiting for I don't know. Like sometimes I do uh, some, I, yeah, I don't. Cause I usually, you know, most of the people that I know, I back, you know, right away when, when I know there's been some well, stuff where I kind of watch and wait to see how the campaign does before I back. Um, but not that's that's like rare. waiting to cross the street. Why would you wait for the yellow light before you start? <laughs> <laughs> but are you, how, what, how are you d treating your Kickstarter experience? Like, are you, are you like looking at your phone and the notifications all the time or are you kind of separating yourself from it and, trying not to sweat over the small stuff um it's not uh it's it, it's one of those things where like the the day one of course we had they had the computer on all day yeah and we were watching it and it was exciting and fun uh, because we went from zero to the moon in one day <laughs> and that was fun um but the next day you know i have to work so i go back to work and yeah robin gives me these updates and says you know we just hit this one just hit that one um so it's very cool i like that part of it yeah yeah it's uh it, it, I, I was shocked like again i i couldn't believe it i remember because when you when you agreed to do the interview i told i told my dad uh i was talking to my dad about it and i was like I was like, I was like, dad, like I'm, I'm talking to this artist. I really like next week. And I was like, his, his, uh, I was like, his campaigns at like almost $75,000. And my dad was like, Oh, that's crazy, man. I was like, yeah. And it like, I was like, it launched like a couple hours ago. <laughs> and like, and he was like, wow. And then I remember, uh, like, I think you posted an update around 11 o'clock or midnight at, at day one. And I kind of had like, you know, not looked at it again. Uh, and, and you were like, what a day. And then I looked and you were over a hundred K and I was like, I was like, Holy crap, man. Like that's insane. And, uh, and then, yeah, it just, you know, you keep, we keep surging past these stretch goals. Um, like I said, you're a couple thousand away from, from the Frank Cho print. And I really, I really want, I really want that Frank Cho print, which I, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I feel like we're definitely going to get that. Uh, it's but, gorgeous. Uh, it's it's so yeah i love i love his art you know i i really i love his uh i love his aunt may's wheat cakes stuff that he does like i would well i would like i know i i mean i'll probably never have enough money to get one but like i would love to own one of those like aunt may wheat cake covers uh one day because those those just crack me up um, I, I i drew a picture of aunt may last year or yeah in 2022 um uh, just for fun one night like like uh, gail simone fun I tweeted out, um, here's three choices. What would you like me to draw? 
And it was like, you know, two gorgeous looking choices or Aunt May on her honeymoon with Mordock. <laughs> and that's what they all chose. <laughs> so I had to draw Aunt May with, on her honeymoon with Mordock. And oh, wow. He was stuck on it on the back of his head and he couldn't get up to run away. <laughs> <It was> stuck. <laughs> That's uh, and so you you do a lot of, when you're when you're working on a on a project and like because you do a lot of like random sketches I, I you know I feel like sometimes and you share them a lot and then you I, and it also I'm sure it helps because you put them on your store and and they always sell out like instantaneously but like is that so like as a writer like when I get say I'm writing a review or I'm trying to write like an article or something for my Substack um, which is typically just a review I mainly just write reviews and like if I'm if I'm trying to write something and I get hung up like I do something else right I got get up and walk around wrestle with the puppy um, you know you know it always comes back to freaking twitter because i can't escape it you know like it always like you all that, that break that like nice mental health break always ends up like back into social media where like you fall into some more bullshit but uh very rarely have i ever been like oh i'm stuck on this review i'll try writing a review for this thing and and it's interesting with artists that like you guys do that though like you'll be like you'll you'll need to take a break from a page or something. Um, but then you'll just kind of like do a fun sketch for you and like draw something else to kind of like, you know, reset the gears in your head. Uh, and, and I, I feel like that's not, that's not a, you know, that's like an art, very much like a, a, an artist thing. Right. Not, not like, you know, even with musicians and stuff, like my, my buddies that have been in bands and stuff, you know, when they're like, when they're jamming and, and having, you know, struggling coming up with a riff or a chorus, you know, then it's like, then you know like they 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 take a break and hit the bong or like have a drink or you know like they they walk away from the instruments and it's it's very interesting to me that art like you guys will just kind of switch over to and 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 doodle and to reset yourself like what does that do for your for your mindscape like you know like because i feel like like you mentioned like you're you're you'll you'll erase a lot you'll redraw scenes you'll you'll retrace some stuff you know and i and i, and I, I feel like as as close as you are to your narratives how it feels like anyway like i feel like that could get aggravating sometimes when you're, you're like mad at yourself right because you can't get it right you can like see it in your head but it's not getting on the page and then to just be like i'll try drawing this for a second um, but, but it seems like it does help you guys, right? Like to just kind of like switch, do something kind of fun and then go back to it later. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, neurological, um, aspects to it. It's not just, uh, it's not just being fidget, fidgety or something. It's, um, it's how you're processing and working your mind. Hmm. So, you know, you're working to get this, you're trying to, if you think about what's trying to happen there, uh, like a TED talk, <laughs> you're you're trying to get some vague idea in your brain cells to actually end up as a 2D rendition on a piece of paper. And so there's a translation going on, and it, you can have trouble in translation. <laughs> and uh, you you can train your hand as well as possible for muscle memory and to follow directions. But it really is just about your mind. And so if you're hammering away at something like that. It's like trying to solve a math problem or something, and you just get to the point where you need to, you know, you ended up down a rabbit hole and you need to back out and mm. uh, take a breath and reset 
And okay, think about something else for a second, get your bearings, then go back in. And hopefully you go in with a fresh, fresh deal. You know, it's like this, the reason why you let uh, a boxing round happen for three minutes and then you take a one minute break. <laughs> <laughs> because 45 minutes straight uninterrupted is too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely. the same way with drawing or, uh, you know, playing the same uh, scales over and over and over on your instrument forever. Uh, at some point, you stop and just play Freebird. You just have to. <laughs> <laughs> you have to reset. Um, and so if you're drawing and you're doing an elaborate drawing and it has a lot of architecture and perspective and and you get to the point after a while and everybody has different tolerance where you're just, you need to, now you have to draw you know, that industrial looking building and you're thinking to hell with that building. I think I will drop a bomb on it now and just not have it there. Um, <laughs> or it burned down last night. I'm just going to draw black girders. And that's when you need to take a break and you come over here and you draw Aunt May on her honeymoon with Mordock and, <laughs> and you tweet it and we all giggle and everything. You get a Coke or whatever. And you come back 20 minutes later and you think, okay, this building, let's get at it. And it's like nice. that, you know. And it's, I guess you can do the same thing as a writer. You know, you 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 you're trying to figure out a conversation. You've looked at it twenty different ways. You still don't have it right, and you're not practically making progress. And one of the things I've learned about not being able to progress past it, you know, you're stuck. Like I've been trying to write this conversation, and it's just not going forward. Um, there's kind of a spidey sense or an instinct that's something it's not going forward because it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you finally you realize it's not a matter of me coming up with the right combination on my 12th try, it's a matter of something's wrong here. And you back off and you come back to it later or the next day and you look at it and you think, oh, and you totally fixed something. And now it just goes and you finish it in no time. So yeah, yeah it's it's a matter of how you look at things, you know. Um, it, there, use every metaphor you've ever heard of on uh, online, you know, counseling talk about it. They all, they all work. One of them is like, um, the, the earliest one I ever heard in school was three blind men uh, in a, meeting an elephant for the first time. One's at the trunk, one's at the tail, and one's at the side. So they all three think the animal is shaped three different ways and three different things. It's the same animal. So it depends on what side of the problem you're standing on as to what you're oh, seeing, wow. and what you're hammering at. Um, so you have to be aware of that. Like, okay, I'm coming in the front door and I'm getting nowhere. I'm gonna go to the side door. And the side door is a, is a freaking elevator right to where you want to go. And so, you know, you just have to kind of learn how to work with your, train yourself to work the angles and, and work the way that gets you progress. And when you're stuck, use your tricks to try the other point of view or whatever, you know, and you just keep going forward that way. When you're, when you're the only person on your creative team and you, and you're, and you, you know, try and come at these things from different angles because uh, you're you're the letterer, you're the artist, and you're the writer. Um, because I fired all the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> do do you ever do you ever like? Does that ever cause like? I mean, I guess it's not a problem because if you if, as long as you get to where you need to go, like that's the right way to be. But when when you're in control of like all those elements and you find out something's not working, do you ever like? I mean, does it? Is, if you ever have to like scrap a page or like a, a whole scene, you know, that you've are that you've worked a lot. Like if, when you're controlling all these elements, like you're that's a lot of work. That's a lot of man hours. Um, have is it hard to when you find out that you need a big change like that? Is do you ever kind of fight with yourself to do that, or do you trust your gut instinct? You're like, hey, this is gonna suck, but we're gonna redraw this page. 
like do you, yeah. or, or are you ever kind of like oh but <laughs> this took so long because <laughs> that's yeah I feel like that would be tough to wrestle with sometimes no actually one of the uh when you're you know when you're learning how to write uh one of the first things you will ever encounter as a writer is um a tiny little book called the elements of style mm-hmm. and it was written a hundred years ago uh by uh i think arthur quiller couch um who wrote charlotte's web and he um wrote this little book of style and it's um one in the forward there actually no uh, eb white wrote it and arthur quiller couch wrote the forward and in the forward um it he says that you need to learn how to murder your darlings Mm-hmm. And what that means is that writers tend to write these beautiful sentences. And for a moment, you think you're F. Scott Fitzgerald with this beautiful, perfect sentence. <laughs> and But it serves absolutely no purpose to the page. Mm-hmm. That's one of your little darlings. You know, you're so proud of it and it needs to go. And that's how it is when you're making the story on any level, you know. Um, you, you can do it in a sketch. You can rough out a sketch and then dive into an eye, and it's the most beautiful eye you've ever drawn. It looks three-dimensional, but it's in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> it's shame on you for just focusing on it before you got the whole foundation right. So it's like that. And um, so, yeah, you have to, early in your writing experience, you know, even in journals and stuff like that, you've learned. Hopefully you've gone through the process of learning that uh, just because it's clever language doesn't mean it belongs in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take that approach with the page, the art, the entire sequence, um, that kind of thing. You need to edit yourself and be brutal about it. Um, and that's why you often see writers um, are it's not easy to get a writer to compliment another writer because they look at it that way. Okay, so you wrote great direct sentences that have a punch. Did it serve the story? Mm. Okay, so you wrote these beautiful sentences, um, uh, you know, like Jeanette Winterson, and you're such a gifted writer. But what did we learn at the end of the chapter? You know, did it serve the book? Um, That kind of thing. You need to Everybody has the talent to have some sort of style, um, but there, you need more than talent. You need a bigger perspective of what it is you're trying to make and release. What are you leaving in your tracks? When you're not here around to explain it to the world, will the world be able to pick it up and have the experience that you wanted them to? Uh, the sentences, were they, were they simple enough that people will never forget them, but meaningful enough that it touched their heart, you know? And yeah. those, that's the balance you look for. Uh, not, look how fast I played this scale. Look how beautiful that sentence is or how clever I am with this plot and device. It's more like we don't care in the long run. In five years, no one cares. What we care about is, did you write a story that I'll never forget and I'll use it for the rest of my life as a metaphor? You know, yeah. that's the important thing. So you do whatever it takes to get that on the page. And if that means throwing out three days worth of drawing. Hell yeah, I'll throw it out. So... It's not, it's, it's about the story, you know, what you leave behind. That's awesome, man. That's, that's so inspiring. Cause yeah, it, it reminds me of like the first time I read Slaughterhouse five and, and the, uh, the, everything that's going on, but the, the, you know, the four or five times in the novel where, where like all these terrible things happen and he ends that scene with like, so it goes. And it's just like, it, it, it hits you in the guts, you know? And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old now and I, you read that in high school. Right. And I, every now and then, like, I will tell that to myself, like when you're having, I'm having like the worst day and nothing adds up. And I'm just like, so it goes. And it's just like, <laughs> the, I the, like, you know, and, and that little microscopic, 
kind of an incomplete sentence almost right but it, it like has it has so much power um and uh, yeah. over both the narrative and its readers right so it it's yeah it it that that idea of like you know condensed language or or, or punchy sentences and you know, flowery language is great sometimes right you know like you know, everybody loves you know like the the poets use it the, you know like it it has its it has its time and place but you know in 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 narratives that are, are about life you know unfortunately as we all know like life isn't flowery all the time right like yes we should stop and smell the roses but roses have thorns and sometimes bees are around the flowers and sometimes bees sting you and then you don't have your epipen and then what are you doing right it's like all these terrible things can just happen like so easily and and i i like i like narratives that reflect that which yours do you know like they you show us the the highs and the lows of of being in love and of acting on that love and of trying to give your love to somebody right and it's one of the most influential things in the world and and so it can make you feel you know like you could fucking pick up a mountain sometimes right and then other times it feels like that mountain's on top of you and you're never going to get out of it you know and and you're you you do that uh in in every story i've read from you and i and i still have more i need to read uh and i i you know am looking forward to that uh and and like your future projects and i'm sure even even this new art book, you know, like you're the kind of artist where I feel like some of these still images um, will, will tell their own little story, especially for those of us that are familiar with these characters. You know, like it may not have panel progression and it may not have dialogue, but like, you know, we're going to see these characters of yours that we've fallen in love with and in different poses and circumstances, you know, hanging out on the beach with each other. And like, I, I'm just kind of interested to see all the different elements. To you this know, art book. there's uh, there's a male gaze aspect to it. And I'm unapologetic for this reason. Um, when I'm doing the stories, what I'm tr- really trying to do is capture uh, that feeling of being in and out of relationships. So when it's time to do a pinup or drawing a sketch, what I, I don't think in terms of, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in raunchy. If you want raunchy, go to the porn sites. Yeah. I, I don't want to see somebody's drawing that of a photograph we've all seen a million times. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to capture is that moment you fell in love with someone. Yeah. Like, you know, like it, when you're talking about being in the bar and uh, work, watching people and there was the waitress, there was, a, there was some moment there where she turned around or she was talking to someone and you were watching and it was charming, beautiful, and it touched your heart. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. To, that's the moment to sketch. That's the sketch moment. So that's what I try to do in my sketches is capture that moment where if you were nearby and you saw this, that was the moment they won your heart and you fell mm-hmm. in love. Um, you know who described it really well? Um, Jerry Brown, the former governor of California, used to date Linda Ronstadt. They asked him one time, how did you meet? He said, well, I went into the, her mother. Her family had a restaurant uh, in the area and he went in there. And he saw this beautiful uh, young lady on a chair uh, helping them hang up uh, decorations on the wall for the restaurant. He said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I just fell in love with her right on the spot and asked her out and she went out with me. That's the moment he fell in love. That was the moment to sketch was Lynn Ronstadt standing on a chair, hanging something up on the wall. Not an album cover picture, but that moment, you know. So that's what I try to capture in the art. And it, it it's kind of strange for a comic book guy to say that because usually what we draw is car crashes, but um, <laughs> our, our wrestling matches. 
but it's I think it's uh, what a tremendous amount of painters and composers do. I'm trying to capture the, that moment of the yeah. Home. So it's I learned it from the painters. You know, uh, paint paint a moment worth remembering. Don't just show that you know how to draw something because you memorized it or have muscle memory or whatever. Uh, have them have some emotion in the drawing so that it becomes a, a vision that you never forget. And I certainly have a lot of uh, you know photos and drawings in my that I've seen in my lifetime that I've never forgotten. You know, so you try to recreate that moment. Wow, that's so cool. And I can't. I'm I'm so excited for this art book, man. Like, because I like I said, just reading strangers. Like my whole week has been strangers like prepping for you but also Mm. like i could not put that omnibus down right it was just like every spare moment i had this week i was just i was like i wanted more of it and uh and and i'm so excited i still like i'm on i just crossed 500 pages in in book one right so i'm I'm just like about i'm like right at a quarter that's a lot yeah um, it's like trying to read Sandman. There's so much of it. You have to yeah. wait when you're in bed with the flu to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read Sandman until I, I had the flu. And uh, I was a captive audience for seven days. And I just dove into all of it. Yeah, that's, uh, this was so I read, I, you know, I get I get a lot of review copies every week. I'm on a lot of press lists. Uh, a lot of Kickstarter people send me their stuff to read. I'm very blessed. I get a lot of free comics. I get I get more comics than I know. Then I'm one person like Blake's, but it's just me. I don't have other writers for me or anything. You know? Buzz. <laughs> that's, that's you know, what happened to Buzz? Yeah, it's, it's my that's my alternate. There's a mystery uh, here. I want to know. <laughs> he's the he's the Buzz is the live stream guy because I, I the first time I went live on the internet I got really drunk and then I don't get as drunk anymore but I like to drink when I go live uh, when you I do my live streams. You wouldn't like Buzz. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't like him when he's angry. Um, but it uh i it's been a while since i've read something um so like you know i I have an eight to five day job and i there was one night this week where i was up till 3 30 in the morning uh reading i got this new um i got a new led reading light it like hangs around your neck and you can like angle them i love it it's the best 20 bucks i've ever spent and it's like you know I i was just laying in bed the lights were off i was like i'm gonna get tired and fall asleep eventually right and then the next thing i know i was like i just just kind of like got to a break like an issue break and checked my phone and it was it was 3 30 in the morning i was like oh no i was like i gotta get up in a couple hours like and i haven't done that that's been a long uh, even with even with like a, a netflix show or something it's been a while since something grabbed me like that and and just i just lost track of time i lost track of everything and the only thing that mattered was the story in in panel progression in, in front of my eyes and like you know, one thing that helps me out with that to keep you reading, um, there's two things I do on purpose to keep you reading. Have you ever found yourself just endlessly scrolling? Like yeah. through Instagram or TikTok? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the reasons is because you don't know what the next picture is going to be. And if you thumb through my book, every page looks different. Yeah. So it's, there's no there's no Acme comic library of, um, you know, it's uh, nine pages all looking in, you know, nine panels segments. There's none of that. Every page is different. But the other one was um, to have the conversation not be by rote. I know I was saying, saying earlier, I'm the reporter in the room. But if I, the, the problem with that is that everybody has says the same things. Like if we're having a, a fight, you and I are having a fight about, you know, some girl we both like. 
we're going to say exactly the same thing that two guys have said since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. So the trick of the writer is if you repeat that word for word, uh, then uh, everybody's going to, it's going to be too familiar and people start paying less attention and then they start scanning the dialogue until they get to the next unfamiliar thing. Then they stop and now you have their attention again. So okay. like if there were, if there were 75 words of, you know, fuck you, no, fuck you. I'll tell you what, <laughs> you come over here and I'll show you what, well, yeah. How many times have we heard it? So I'm, now I'm quick scanning, quick scanning, quick scanning until suddenly you start saying, you know what? Einstein was right about that dark matter. What? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm paying attention again. So as a writer, what I've tried to do is have the conversations take right turns and left turns or have them, if they have to say, hurl the familiar insults, do it out of sequence or mix it up or have it said in a fresh way. Like, like sometimes you would watch a, a comedy and they said things in, the, in a certain way that was really funny when they said it. When you try to say it later in different language, it's not as funny because it was the exact words that the guys used. They're shortcuts straight to the punchline. Um, that's kind of those kind of things that you figure out as a writer and learn from, you know, all that. They really help you to keep going. They pull you through the page. And if you listen to writing seminars from the popular novelists uh, who have turned themselves into industries, you know, whether it's Grisham or whatever, they will all be talking about how to pull you through the page and pull you through the chapter. Mm. It's not all about like, oh, chapter one introduced, chapter two is the, uh, the unsuspected surprise, chapter three is meet the girl, chapter five is the kidnap. That's bullshit. That's lazy way of looking at it. The, the hard part is um, how did I get you to follow my character through the airport and get on a plane mm. without boring you to tears, you know? Something has to happen. And that's where the writer element comes in. That's where the difference between the writers. What happened in the airport? Well, seven writers will try seven different things. And if you have a pretty good batting average with readers, um, then your book's going to do better than somebody who just did it by rote and described every boring detail it took to get you from the kit, from the Uber to the plane seat, you know? That reminds me of a, one of my favorite scenes I've read so far in, in Strangers in Paradise when um, the issue starts and and Cachou and Francine are are it's like almost an argument but not really and and Francine's locked herself in the closet and and Cachou's sitting uh, outside and we find out that like they the night before like they 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 almost finally had sex right and then Francine got scared and is in the, herself in, back in the closet and now she won't come out of the closet yeah and, and catch she's like you know this is kind of funny being like where you are right now and and then and then francine mentions like um she's like because we've all had these these moments where like maybe sex doesn't scare you but like the intensity of it does or or when when like when the pursuit of it gets more intense than the actual physical act maybe you know and like or or just when you like when you want something so bad and like the the nerves that build up when it might actually happen uh like we've been there but like you know we've had like similar conversations but the the idea of like locking yourself in the closet and then when that really vulnerable aspect comes out and and francine's like I saw myself as someone else and offends Cachu. And, and she's like, she's like, all I, she's like, I dream about you and all I want is you. And when you think about me, you think, 
you're somebody else like and she like it like hurts her right and there's this the amount of vulnerability in that scene from both characters and the pain right the pain that blossoms out of this kind of humorous uh experience and scene like that was one of the best things i've read in a long time man like i like it got me real emotional it it like it made me sad like it made me sad and happy because it was just like god they both love each other so much right even though they're so silly and just can't see it like you know and they they like each of them sees it but never simultaneously feel right they're like uh, as of now anyway they're they're like never on the same page really and i've never i just i just thought it was one of the most beautiful things um and with with so much heart and just like how scary it is really um, to truly open yourself up to a new, maybe not even a new person, maybe a, a best friend or a, or, a, or a family member or a, a lover, like just like how really scary it is to like totally take that boundary down and say exactly what you feel and exactly what you think. And then, and then on top of that, to like accidentally hurt somebody's feelings. And then, and like that kind of like that spiraling clusterfuck of emotion. Right. Um, that was and and again like there's so many similar elements like that just happen over and over again but that scene that scene will like stay with me uh forever and again it, it goes to your talent as a creator as both an artist and as a writer because like the dialogue is so strong but when when your characters cry man it it like those you those emotions are in the eyes right they're in the the, the body language you construct in panel is is magnificent magnificent at second to none i i would argue like you're you have so much control over how your characters look and the way they portray emotion at any given time and you never lose that right which is aggravating because like as many pages as there are in this in in strangers for like thousands and thousands of pages and you retain that control through the whole time like i don't i don't know many comic creators that can that can pull that off and that's why I really, really, I really hope that this, that this new art book, I know recently you had the humble bundle that did really well. Like I, you know, I'm, uh, I really hope that these, these last couple months and, and the couple months to come, like really, really hoping uh, it increases your audience. Cause more people that, that, that read comics that are like me and discuss comics um, or, and other, cre other creatives, I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of creatives that could, that could benefit from looking at your art and reading your dialogue. Uh, like you're just, you can help so many people um, in so many different ways with, with your stories. Um, I don't, I, I hope, I hope you realize that. I know it's, I know like saying stuff like that gets kind of in, like, you know, it's some compliments are hard to take, but you like, you really have a control over this medium and you really have uh, an eye for emotion and a, and a, and a respect for humanity that is very rare. And that's what makes your, uh, that's what makes your comic books really great and stand out. And so I really hope this new Kickstarter, like brings more people to the, that get to experience that. Like I got to man, cause it, it's something, it's something else. Like as a, as a reader, as press, as, you know, um, as, as the ways that you make me think about writing, uh, when I read, um, when I read your stuff, man, it's, it's, uh, it's very hard to explain. Um, but it's, it's, it's very rewarding and it, uh, you know, it, it just, 
it hurts in a good way, right? Sometimes, right? You just like mm-hmm. you you make you make people think about things they haven't thought of in a long time, and then and then and then you make them think differently about it. And 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 you also there's also a lot of like uh, you know very much you remind people to like put yourself in the shoes of others, which we forget about, right? We we are you know we think about ourselves too much a lot, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to, to branch out that way. And, and you are, you continuously remind people to like, think about how you talk to people, think about how you treat people. And that's a very strong and pertinent lesson that humanity seems to constantly forget. And so any reminder we can get of that, like, all, like you know, we need that. Thank you. Uh, Benny Hill had a funny way of putting it. He said, I'm the kind of guy that likes to drink to forget about what kind of guy I am. <laughs> So we try to try to write stories on that level and it'll sneak in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing it, man. Um, Now, Terry, this was so I've, I've kept you for an hour and a half and this was like, I I told you I was, I told you I was a huge fan. And like, I was, I was, I always, I've been doing this for almost two years now, my, my interview podcast. And, and I've done, I've interviewed well over a hundred creatives now and I still every now and then get a little nervous and I was, I was a little nervous today. Um, you seem like really, you know, you seem like awesome and stuff, but I was just like, you know, like I've really been into your stuff for a while. And so I was just like, you know, like meeting, they, they say, don't meet your heroes. Right. And, and uh, so, sometimes yeah. yes, but like this, this was like, this was not that. So like, I'm really glad we got to yeah. chat and um, I am so excited for your Kickstarter. So excited to see where it goes in the next couple of weeks. And I hope it continues to uh, be a, be an easy, easy thing for you. And, and um, I'm excited uh, for, what is it? The, is it? Yeah. The 22nd is when the new Parker girls comes out. I think this month. I think on the 15th now. It's, 15th. Oh yeah, that's right. It's the day after Valentine's day. Yes. Yeah. The snowstorm delayed it. It was going to be next week, but it's going to be in two weeks. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for issue five of Parker girls. Um, like ladies ladies and gentlemen i i I really encourage you to uh put put some money away and buy that strangers in paradise omnibus set if you can't afford the hardcover set there is a dual soft cover that's also very nice and it's in a slip case too you just don't get the cover gallery um definitely consider getting that because like once they're gone they're gone um and if not uh definitely consider uh, these new editions coming out because this is a comic book that everybody needs to read and it's and not just read but like experience and fall in love with and just have it on your shelf and close to your heart forever because that's where it needs to be um now we we know the terry moore after dark you can find it on kickstarter uh he's got a link to abstract studios to buy stuff from his shop um terry where what's the best place to like find you and keep track of you uh online like where where do we follow you uh, my my name is Terry Moore Art on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and then I have of course our website, uh, which is abstractstudiocomics.com. But I think you could still do terrymoreart.com, and it would still get you there, route you there. Uh, hopefully, I'm I'm easy to find, and and of course there's the Kickstarter. So it's uh, um, yeah, if you just Google and track down a Google, I'm easy. Hopefully, I'm easy to find. But the YouTube channel, I do different things. The YouTube channel is where I do uh, studio drawing, procedural how to, uh, how tos. And uh, Instagram is where I post a lot of uh, art that Twitter can't handle. Twitter is where <laughs> I post the news, you know. Uh, and Facebook is kind of just like, you know, bringing up the rear. But it's amazing I can't get rid of Facebook because so many people from around the world are still there. So it's a good way to keep in touch with people from South America and Europe. So oh, nice. uh, I'm in all those different spots. 
I'm not on TikTok because I don't belong there. That's, <laughs> I just don't belong there. <laughs> so don't look for me there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do, uh, the, the new every the new deal is short videos now right like like one minute reviews and stuff do really well like youtube shorts and reels and all that and i'm trying to yeah. that's like a new because i you know i i was like all about the podcast but now like you know we're oversaturated america the world is oversaturated in podcasts so things are going back to mm -hmm. video um and then but you know every no one has an attention span anymore right so like everybody wants these like shorter and shorter and shorter videos um which is, is also interesting um but yeah i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to like break into into that mold myself and it's i often feel like i don't belong but some of my press comic press friends are doing it and finding a lot of success there and they're like they're like blake like the water's warm like jump in it's fine and i'm like i don't wanna <laughs> so like this is like me and kickstarter <laughs> yeah. but but hey you know and then and then uh but then you finally uh you finally dipped your toes in the water and and, mm -hmm. and now you're now you're in the, water's now fine. You're in the deep end swimming in money <laughs> Just like, yeah the water's fine I, am, uh, I, I again man i'm so happy with the success you're having i think it's i think it's so cool like like i said pat shand is a, a good friend of the show and and has treated me well and and just he's a great dude and um mm -hmm. i thought it was very cool that you guys were kind of working together on this and um because he he's he's also kind of wanting to do this to get into like kickstarter consulting too on top of his so it's like it's very it's cool perfect. that like yeah it, it's cool it's cool to see you know him take off and see you take off and uh, getting to talk to you was amazing. This was such a cool experience for me, and I'm so excited Thanks, to Mike. release this to my audience because, like, you're just you're you're awesome, dude, and you're so talented. And and uh, Thanks, I look forward to anything else you put out. I, I'll always be there for it. Um, you, Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. I, I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and uh, sharing uh, your platform with me. It's an honor to be in your house, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was. Uh, it, I was. I, I told everybody about. It. I was like. I was. I was like a kid. I was like, I was like, oh my god! I was like, I'm gonna talk to Terry Moore. Like, ah! And, then, uh, and I did the same thing when you followed me on Twitter the other day when I when I told you you drew the best noses and you followed me and I was like, oh my god! So I don't know. It was like uh it, it, it never gets old right i i've been i've been doing press for a while and and writing reviews and and talking about comics and and i'm i'm very lucky that i've found that the success in that that i have and and it's still like it still shocks me when like uh you know when when my icons like notice me and, and i'm like what <laughs> like that, that can't be real so yeah this is this was so great i i'm gonna i think wednesday i'll have this out by wednesday and okay. then um and then yeah i'll, I'll, I'll tag in and, and let you know um but yeah everybody check out terry Moore after dark on kickstarter if there's a there's a hard cover there's a soft cover there's some variants you can even go you can go just digital uh if you have more money than i do you can buy some original art which is gorgeous and i'll be forever jealous of you but that's all there like you should check it out there's he's got he's got something for everybody on this campaign page and again uh i don't think i could talk up strangers in paradise anymore but like you gotta check it out and and if if you want to wait for these new editions i understand that omnibus set is expensive but that is something to consider for collectives it's one of the most beautiful books i have on my shelves right now and most of you know me i have too many books on my shelf i don't know how i'm ever going to read these things that i buy all the time but um again terry this was so great uh, i'm so happy for you and uh just getting to talk about your creation process for the last hour and a half man it was uh i will remember this forever until i get old and weird and can't remember anything maybe even then i'll still remember it maybe i'll maybe i'll forget my dog's name but i'll still remember that time i talked to terry moore on the podcast <laughs> maybe i'll come shuffling by on my walker and say hey blake remember that <laughs> 
Oh man. Uh, any, right. Anything else, anything else you want to uh, chat out or, or anything else before you go? No, just thank you so much for your support. And uh, we mentioned him several times. Thanks to Pat for getting our Kickstarter going. It really worked. I recommend him. Uh, he's wow. easy to find and, and to work with. Um, yeah. He's a great dude. Kickstarter, so, and he's yeah. hilarious. He's just a, he's just a funny, good guy. Good guy. Like 